Yes, welcome in, one and all. Hope you all had a lovely Christmas, enjoyed some time with loved ones and got a feast of football action. Certainly been a crazy few days. Let's get right into it. Let's start Week 16's review with the full 10 Yards NFL podcast. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We got all game. Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards podcast. Yes, here we are, all refreshed after a hectic few days. Like I say, hope everyone out there had a nice uh, festive break. And fellas, welcome you all in. Hope Santa was good to one and all. Tim, how are you, buddy? Yeah, not too bad. Lovely Christmas and bring roll on twenty twenty one. Here, 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 here. Nothing else will be bettered with that phrase that you've said just there, mate. That is the the phrase of the podcast in the opening few there moments. Let's, 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 let's back up, going. Let's go. Good night, everybody. <laughs> bye bye. Good That's night. Kevin Carroll, sir. <laughs> Lawrence, how are you, buddy? You know how happy I am. You know I'm full of joy. It just took an extra three days for me to get my Christmas present as. You know, I, I got some lovely gifts from from a wife. I got some hell hot peanuts, personalised jar of marmite, and a statue of Dwayne Haskins clutching his P forty five. No better feeling, no better gift. Full of yeah, the joys of of Christmas. I'm I'm going to be happy for the next week yeah, until like we until face Jalen Hurts. That, then it suddenly becomes not so funny. Yeah, we'll get on to that in a bit, because obviously, like you say, it may well have come a few days late, but we'll get on to that a bit later. Obviously, that's the news that broke today. But final man in the huddle, as always, joining us. Kieran, how are you, buddy? We haven't uh, we haven't been beaten by the Bills yet, because the game that's hasn't started. So I'm probably going to be in a good mood until later this evening. It's nice to much... hours, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> And much like Lawrence's hot nuts, I'm hoping the hot nuts of Jarrett Stidham steps on the field tonight instead of Cam Newton. And we might have a prayer. Uh, we shall see. We shall see. Obviously, Bill's still going for the number two seed. And let's get into all things AFC to start us off with. And what we do know, and the uh, the main thing that we know, really, I suppose, confirmed this weekend, is that the AFC will go through KC. I think we were all expecting it. It was just a case of when rather than if. But they, of course, have now locked up the number one seed and secured the only first-round buy in the playoffs this year with the new expanded field, obviously. Uh, it was a bit of a dull game, to be honest. Um, it kind of really ignited in the final moments, didn't it? It was a strange old one. And then Scott Hansen got the best parts of it for the witching there in uh, red zone coverage. So the game itself... Um, Pretty low scoring, certainly for a Chiefs game. Hayden Hurst opened the scoring on a bit of a shovel pass from Matt Ryan. Um, Travis Kelsey, who you know, just continues to be an absolute beast, doesn't he? Had a monster game and he grabbed the equalising touchdown. Um, you know, An excellent one in tight coverage. Snagged the ball just as he crossed the plane. Um, so a good touchdown grab there. Um, and then Laquan Treadwell, there's a name to remember. Remember him from a few years back? Much hyped receiver in the draft. I think that's quite possibly his first NFL catch. I don't think he's quite that bad, but it's certainly not far off, was it? So Laquan, Laquan Treadwell got the Falcons back in front. Um, and then the Falcons really had a chance to watch the game away. AJ Terrell seemingly picked off Patrick Mahomes right at the two-minute warning in the end zone until he rolled over. 
and the ball came out of his clutches. Of course, that didn't go unpunished as a few plays later. It was uh, Demarcus Robinson on the end of a deep ball from Patrick Mahomes to put the Chiefs back in front, uh, 17-14, to 14, and that's how it stayed. Only stayed that way, of course, because Young Ho Koo, who has been, to be fair, pretty good as an all season, let's be honest, he's been money as one of the better kickers in the league. But just when he you obviously didn't want him to shank one, he pushed one wide right, and obviously that meant that the Chiefs held on for the win. And like I say, 17 points to 14, the score... Um, they get the number one seed, as like I said, I think we were all expecting. Um, not really much change from the Chiefs in terms of performances over the last few weeks. They're still struggling to really get that run game going. I think everybody was expecting more from Lev Bell in this one, but I think you know it just it just never ever happened, did it? But um, they obviously have a few things to work on for the playoffs. They'll obviously get that extra week of rest now, which could be important, uh, particularly in terms of the health of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, whether he potentially can get back. Um, but yeah, obviously, like I said, the AFC will now go through KC. Um, Kieran, let's turn to you because you can see the, the seedings scrolling across at the bottom. They've been in free fall for the last month, but the Pittsburgh Steelers eventually clinched the AFC North after starting off 11-0. and 0, And to be fair to them, they did so with an absolutely epic comeback against the Colts. It moves Pittsburgh into the number two slot. So we've got the Buffalo game to come tonight uh, where the Bills will still look to obviously apply some pressure for that particular seeding. But as things stand today, Pittsburgh in at the two mode, but talk us about the game itself. Uh, it looked that they would continue that trend of sucking uh, <laughs> uh, during the first half. They looked absolutely terrible. Now, I do... Personal feelings aside, Ben Roethlisberger had a hell of a game. 342 yards, three touchdowns. He was very, very accurate. But that was only really the second half. Once again, they got barely any rushing yards. You know, they ran the ball, I think, seven times. How many rushing yards do you think they had on, on seven attempts? Five. Yeah. Three? They had 20. <laughs> But yeah. that, Impre- you know, impressive. it was, <laughs> bearing in mind, yeah, sorry, they had 11, 11 Russian attempts. I'm not oh, saying But on, on six attempts, Benny Snell had zero yards. So <laughs> once again, their rushing game has been terrible. Now, TikTok boy led the re- uh, receptions with 96 yards on nine receptions and a TD. Once again, I don't think he's a top receiver. He's just, you know, their top receiver. I think if you put him on any other team besides maybe the Patriots or or, or, or uh, the Broncos a couple of weeks, sorry, the Browns yesterday, he, he's, he's going to be a number two receiver or a number three receiver. He's just not as good as people think he is. Uh, the biggest shout out though should go to the Colts because they played out of their damn minds this game. Uh, they just looked fantastic. Despite obviously the finishing, they looked they looked very good throughout. Um, in the second quarter, they sort of waned a little bit, and the defense, you know, it wasn't Ben don't break. It was just try not to snap completely in half. I think at, at some points for them, they they looked like they were struggling to adjust to to what happened to Pittsburgh at halftime. I mean, Philip Rivers two hundred seventy yards touchdown the pick was not his best game, but he moved the ball when it needed to be, and he had a lot of early success where B- Big Ben didn't. So. But they they got off, you know, with the rushing yards. Jonathan Taylor, 74 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. I can't pronounce his first name. Is it Naheem? 
Naheem mm-hmm. Hines. Yeah, yeah, Naheem Hines, 44 yards. So him by himself on four carries had almost double the Steelers' rushing offense. So, yeah, once again, the, the ground game is really hurting the Steelers, but they managed to claw um, a win out here. And it's like we said when the Packers struggled a few weeks ago to win it. it, it Wins like this are sometimes good for a team because it will say, hey, they're prepared. To, it's not pretty. It's definitely not pretty. And it was tough football to watch, but they ground out a win. And I think that's very important for teams, especially Pittsburgh, because I know kind of we've been calling them frauds and I still agree with that assessment. I think that they're, they're one and done in the playoffs. But, yeah, oh man, it's just I want to be a Steelers fan right now. This team has so much wrong with it. And it's more than just Big Ben. It's more than just the wide receiver situation. It's more than just the... Um, the running game, they've got so much they need to fix. And I think the defense is the best best thing for them at the moment. But still, it is. this is not a good Steelers team, guys. I know we've been saying that, but this is a very, very bad football team that has been had some incredible strokes of luck to get where they are. But that being said, they, they deserve the win against the Colts because they played. The, the best half of their football was the second half of this game. It was the best they've played all season. So, yeah. Is, take, is there any more, is there any more annoying sights than uh, Ben Muffersberger pointing to the air when he scores a touchdown? It just annoys the absolute crap out of me when he does that. Jesus Christ. Who, who's he pointing to? <laughs> he, he, he's gone from uh, his, what was it, his tugging addiction to being a born-again Christian all in the space of a year, and I'm very impressed with his time. A lot of people don't go out from that. When they put some weight on, they grow a beard, they stay inside a lot. Big Ben's pulled it out, and I'll I'll say fair play to him. Still lost to the Bengals. <laughs> yeah, I think credit where it's due in terms of what they managed to produce, particularly in the second half last night. The uh, the defense really stepped up. Um, you know, let's, let's bear in mind that uh, that Colts team had got twenty one points, was it, at the half, and they only ended up adding three in the second half. Um, you know, so the Steelers really tightened up. I think in the bigger picture, I think it's a really huge win for the Steelers. It takes all the pressure, obviously, off next week um, because they know they, you know, and this is regardless of obviously any other scores from yesterday. A win obviously locked up the division, and it, it gives them, in essence, the opportunity to have the sort of bye week um, that they never have had this season, which has obviously been a complaint that they've had. Um, they potentially could rest a number of their key starters. Um, you know, in terms of the likes of Big Ben, in terms of, you know, some of those guys on the defence, TJ Watt and, and the likes, um, you know, it depends really, I suppose, how much they want the number two over the number three seed. I think there will be a little bit of, um, you know, a bit of emphasis placed on that because obviously I think everybody will want to avoid KC for as long as they can. Um, you know, but, you know, with that being said, um, like I say, huge win yesterday. Um, and obviously, like I say, punches their ticket as the AFC North champs once again. Um, go on, Tim. Look like you want to say something. No, I was going to say, if, if the Steelers do change their uh, QB next week, it's probably, Rudolph probably came a week too late. Yeah, he did indeed. But of course, it does potentially set up Mason Rudolph versus Miles Garrett take two. So that could be interesting Ooh. in itself. But we shall see. We will get on to that in a little bit. Um, the... Uh, the Colts' loss, of course, potentially opened the door for the Titans to claim the AFC South. Um, they were later on in the evening, of course, on Sunday night football. Um, it was a snow game. I think everybody just expected that uh, that would really suit the Titans because they'd be able to get the run game going and it wouldn't suit the um, 
wouldn't suit the Packers. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, obviously, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams didn't get that memo, though, Tim, did they, mate? No. Um, yeah, obviously, you mentioned there, obviously, the Colts losing, obviously, are now on the outside looking in, need help uh, to get in. Titans fans, uh, I've got, I prepared a little song for Titans fans uh, in, in yeah, f- famous Christmas song. It's uh, Shaken Stevens. And we're going to say, snow was falling all around them. Rodgers and Adams playing, didn't having fun. It's the season of love and understanding that the Titans still have it in their own hands. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Ad libbed mm-hmm. at the end there, but that's all I can do. Um, but yeah, obviously, Titans fans with, with the Colts lost, um, there I say they probably wouldn't have changed their mentality going into this one, but um, obviously, it wasn't a winter wonderland for them going into Lambeau. Snow, it was nice to see a snow game. Feels like we haven't had many, many, many of those this year. Uh, don't know if that's global warming, maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the, the Titans essentially just couldn't keep up. And T- Tannehill, despite his uh, despite his efforts, his 45-yard touchdown, uh, which was one of Lawrence's favourite plays on the season that we've seen umpteen times, uh, fake to Derek Henry to the left tackle. Uh, <laughs> holds it, it snaps it back off and then goes and runs 45 yards down. Obviously, we normally see that one at the one-yard line. Um, but yeah, obviously worked for 40, 45 this, uh, this, this game. But uh, yeah, that got that got them to within five, obviously the first drive after, after half-time. Uh, but t- when, when Tannehill was going to end up with... Yeah, 11 completions from 24 uh, attempts, 121 yards, one touchdown and two t- and two interceptions. Sorry, but you're, you're not, you don't care. You know, you could have a decent defence, uh, but Tennessee have got a great defence. And it, uh, I'm sorry, but the Tennessee Titans just can't come from behind. Um, they're, they're not built, they're not built that way. And that's that's going to be their comeuppance in the, uh, in the playoffs. But on the other side, you know, despite it being freezing and the, the cold tundra, as they like to call, they like to call it. Um, Aaron Rodgers stayed red hot. Uh, still opening drive, going perfect, four, uh, five for five for forty yards, and obviously Adams touchdown. Um, ended up with just four incompletions. Obviously, he's used to playing in these conditions, whereas uh, Tannehill and the Titans obviously aren't. Um, Titans defense, like I mentioned, really going to be their un- their undoing in January. Um, and at Devante Adams um, putting up, he's, he's putting up. I know we've got Alvin Kamara, and we've had we've had a lot of a hell of a lot of decent offensive performances this weekend with Kamara, Cook, and Kelsey. And but Devante Adams, um, he he's definitely in the the offensive player of the year conversation uh, 11 receptions in this one 142 yards and another hat trick uh taking him to 109 receptions on the seasons 1328 yards and 17 touchdowns um he's probably not going to get the uh, the six uh, versus chicago in week 17 to match randy moss's 23 uh, from 2007 uh, of course joe rice the only other player to break the 20 marks so he might get to three he might get three against chicago uh, to, to break the 20 threshold um but one note uh, aj Dillon on the ground obviously you'll notice him in, in in the box score. Um, I don't know if many of you remember. Oh, yeah, he's obviously got massive quads. I don't know if any of you remember from a couple of years ago, uh, James Starks. Um, the Packers have a history of of thrusting random running backs into into playoff. Um, uh, you know, worth worth of mention. AJ Dillon could be an interesting one. Um, you know, he had what twenty one carries, one hundred twenty four yards, and two touchdowns. Whether or not it was just maintenance for Aaron Jones, not quite sure because he he came in early. Aaron Jones and then left for a hell of a long while. Long while. Um, AJ Dillon eventually playing fifty eight percent of the snaps. Um, so keep an eye on that one. But yeah, Packers keep on rolling. Titans defense is going to kill them, uh, and I, I'm not quite sure how you fix it because they've got they've got some stars in that defense. Just they're just not they're not watertight, unfortunately, which you need to be. Yeah, and we'll come on to the, the, the sort of fixtures for next weekend in a moment because I don't think all hope is necessarily lost for Colts fans because I do think that, well, the, the other two games that the Colts need to go their way 
could potentially both happen, um, and we'll get onto those fixtures shortly. But uh, let, let's get you up to speed with why the playoff situation is what it is with the other games uh, that happened yesterday with playoff implications. Let's start off, Lawrence, with the Browns. Um, I was absolutely furious that this game even went ahead, being completely honest. Um, Saturday night at, what, seven o'clock in the evening, sort of UK time, you get the news that the sort of entire Browns wide receiver room is gone. Um, obviously, with starting left tackles gone, two starting linebackers gone. Um, dare I say it, two other teams in the AFC North have seemingly had games moved and scheduled to help them in these situations. Uh, yet that didn't happen for Cleveland. Uh, and ultimately, they end up with a loss to the Jets. Yeah, I think to to be honest, the the bigger loss was Wyatt Teller um, on that offensive line than than the receivers. Wyatt Teller is the number one rated offensive lineman in the entire league. Yes, he's missed a couple of games already, um, but he is playing out of his gourd. So I think that was a huge, huge thing. And then, yeah, as you say, Sean. When you've lost Jarvis Landry, Rashad Higgins, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Cordero Hodge all ruled out for sharing a hot tub, you can bet that they would <laughs> have a time machine and didn't get in, that, in for that watery massage. I mean, for Jarvis Landry, it's really, really galling for him because he um, he hadn't missed a game in 110. Um, 110 opportunities to play. He'd played in all 110 of them. So, you know, I feel really sorry for a guy who's had such a, you know, remarkable streak in the NFL. And considering the, the type of routes that he runs and the type of physical game that he plays to, to made 110 consecutive games, just got to give a shout out to Jarvis Landry, even though he didn't play, you know, pretty, pretty remarkable stuff for a receiver. Um, so that all they had left was kind of Marvin Hall to, um, to play and that to go and get the, get people off the practice squad, Jamarcus Bradley and Derek Willies. And if any of you have actually seen the IT crowd, um, I haven't got the drop here. Maybe we can do it in post-production. There's actually a musical featured in it, and one of the songs is actually called I Love Willies. So if you've ever seen the IT crowd in the song I Love Willies, look it up. It's there on YouTube. Um, so, But there was no love for Derek Willies, unfortunately, during the game. Um, I mean, it was that bad that Coach Stefanski was working out players in a hotel car park prior to the game. So the Jets obviously then said, right, OK, we're going to stack the box. We're going to stop the run. And then Cleveland thought, oh, we're going to be even smarter than the Jets. We're not going to run the ball. We're going to pass the ball. So, you know, poor old Nick Chubb was held to 28 yards on the ground. Um, and Chubb, who, yeah, I know there's a lot of love for Nick Chubb, but he's actually failed to register a 100-yard game in December, having clocked up three in a row coming into December. The last three games in November, over 100 yards. All the games in December, he hasn't hit 100 yards. So there's little minor concerns there. Um, I mean, most sensible th folks thought the Browns would run Chubb and Hunt down the Jets' throats, but they instead opted for a ridiculously high pass-heavy game plan Mayfield ends up throwing 53 times, easily his highest attempts in the season. Um, and in fact, in the Browns' 10 wins that they've had this season, the most amount of pass attempts in any of those wins was 37. And that was against the Colts. 
Um, as it was, Cleveland's wide receivers that actually did suit up managed six catches for 72 yards, no touchdowns. The the big, big kind of factor in this game, though, was Baker Mayfield's three fumbles. The biggest one being on a fourth down at the Jets' 16-yard line with under 90 seconds left. Mayfield fumbles. The Browns are thinking, oh, gosh, we've, we've, we've just about kind of ducked a bullet here when um, Kareem Hunt recovered the fumble. But inside the two minutes, only the fumbling player can recover his fumble. So that was um, obsolete. Jets get the ball back, run the clock out. Um, and it, this leaves a, a you know, a interesting playoff situation for the Browns. Um, yes, they can, they can do it the simple way. If they win, they're in. But if they're not, it starts getting a bit interesting. Um, and they're they're looking for another Colts loss. So, you know, it it's this this AFC picture for the for those those ones that are still remaining, the one that's gonna get booted out, it's it's fascinating. Um so yeah, it was it's a shame for the Browns. They 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 have been playing some lights out football, but there's just a little bit of kind of anxiety at the moment so I'm just I'm hoping that Cleveland can pull through I I love seeing the Browns in the playoffs it takes me back to the 1980s the Biner and the Mac and the Minifield and the Dixon era and I'd, I'd love to see the Cleveland Browns in the playoffs I'd love to see them win a couple of games in the playoffs to be fair yeah, we'll wait and see. Um, it will be a, a real shame if the season gets derailed through uh, COVID issues. Um, I agree to to some extent with what you're saying in terms of Wyatt Teller is a huge loss on that line, but you know, let's not under, underestimate how you have a game plan all week, you practice all week, and then you basically have to make something up on the fly. I agree that it was pass heavy. That was obviously because they were down on the scoreboard as well. But whichever way you dress it up, it wasn't a good 24 hours. For the Cleveland Browns, not helped, of course, on Saturday night by the Oakland, sorry, Oakland, Las Vegas. I think mm. week 16, I think that's, that's the first time I've done it all. Money in the swear jar. Yeah. The Las Vegas Raiders inexplicably throwing away um, a victory um, and the Miami Dolphins capitalising. Um, obviously, um, firming up their player. Seeding in the playoff standings now. They currently, I believe, are the fifth seed uh, with the Ravens at the sixth. We'll go to the Ravens shortly. But yeah, for, for Miami, Kieran, uh, huge, huge, huge turn of events. Um, you know, it looked very much like this one had gone. Um, and, and, you know, similar, I suppose, to how the Raiders had a miracle against the Jets a few weeks back. This time they, uh, they had one back the other way. I think... You all right now need to give me a massive pat on the back because of my amazing prediction that I had just after the draft where I said the Miami Dolphins would have one of the best defenses in the league. And everyone said, no, you're a fool. So I'm going to I'm going to take a moment of silence now to just appreciate my genius that I call that. Wait, wait, wait. I, I, I hope you're not just basing it off of that game because they were they were uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick taking no look passes to a whole new level to to win that game. They they nearly got beat by the, Ra- the Raiders who were on a what three game losing streak and looked looked like an absolute car crash. Also, Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. So who are we to judge that he's invented oh, a new strategy of passing? The man is. Almost as smart as I am when it comes to football. I predicted this greatness. I just want to say, Brian Flores, if he isn't coach of the year, then 
don't know. I don't know what's going on with the people voting for that because he is clearly the best coach in the league this year. And I also want to say big credit for Tua Tagovailoa for not throwing his toys out the pram when he got taken off. He was very mature in his response to being benched. He understood why it made more sense for Fitzpatrick to be out there. And once Fitzpatrick got out there, he only took 13 passes, but 182 yards and a touchdown with a course. He threw a, he threw a completion with a bear claw inside his uh, face mask. That was incredible. He was getting dragged down by the head and still got a pass off. So I want to give a shout out to that. That was absolutely incredible. Miles Gaskin was also feasting. 6.2 yards per average carry this game. That was... And he, no one saw that coming, but he also led receptions with 82 yards and two receiving touchdowns. Mike Gusecki as well was fantastic, as always. But the biggest part of this game for me was Brian Flores taking two out putting Ryan Fitzpatrick in and it clearly was the spot they needed to to stay ahead in this game. But Derek Carr looked great. He has looked great all year. 336 yards and a touchdown. Josh Jacobs, guys, how many yards do we think Josh Jacobs got? It's a nice number. He doesn't care. He, <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't care about your fantasy team. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Yeah, 69 yards for Josh Jacobs, but Nelson Aguilar, I think what happened was when he took the Eagles jersey off, he took the Eagles helmet off, his hands, suddenly the bricks that they had fo had formed around them dropped because he went 155 yards and a touchdown. Has he just not had, is he not in conversation for comeback player of the year? Because he was trash last year. And I know he had that absolute bum Carson Wentz throwing to it throwing to him all season but he has looked fantastic and to, to have this much of a glow up from one year to another is absolutely ridiculous and I think just because Alex Smith nearly lost a leg that we shouldn't ignore Nelson Aguilar for comeback player of the year but this game I'm surprised it ran so close the, the Dolphins should have put a dagger in this early their defense didn't look as good as it has all season I'm gonna be honest but this is my problem with the Raiders they have had two or three very good performances this year. One was against the Chiefs. Um, and probably this one, actually. They've not had that many good ones. Um, <laughs> but this was their game to lose, and they threw it all away. They they contained Miami better than any other team has all year. They actually found the way to defeat the Miami defense. And apparently it's a dude who had bricks on his hands last year and Darren Waller, who might be the best tight end in the league this year. I mean, let's be honest, he's been fantastic. He's looked better than Kelsey with some of the grabs he's made. So I do want to give props to Darren Waller there. I know your eyes are raised, Lawrence, but Darren Waller is an absolute machine. He was a practice squad player two years ago and look at him now, absolute beast. So I do want to give a shout out there, but... Last fact, what he, he wasn't on the practice squad for lack of talent. It was, um, you know, what he was doing in his, in his extracurricular activities. I think that was um, that was the the problem a couple of years ago. He's, great, so he's, a, great, he's a great story, though. He's, he's, he's a great he's, uh, story. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible story, and you know, he's, he's, this is his second season that he's he's been an absolute beast. So yeah, I've got a lot of love, but if I'm to rank, I'm still putting Kelsey just one little notch ahead of him. Um, but yeah, very, very close second. Yeah. Ooh, I, want... ooh, ah, ah, ting, tang, walla, walla, bing, bang. 
but yeah, I just the the part here that annoys me about the Raiders is it's clearly Chucky. He doesn't for despite being a genius coach, he has really struggled to finish games this season. Because it was the Raiders game to lose going into the, to the fourth quarter. I mean, they let Miami hang 13 points on them. And I know it's only a four-point deficit, but it just shouldn't have happened. They had this game. They were up early. They were up big going into the third quarter. And they just they just couldn't finish a game. And I think that's been Chucky's problem all season. This Raiders squad is supremely talented. Do not, do not get me wrong when I say they've looked bad all season. They are supremely talented. The problem is the coaching. I said it about the Cardinals as well. The Cardinals would have a ton more wins if they had a better coach than some 18-year-old who probably once had dinner with Sean McVay because, you know, that's how you get jobs now in the NFL. Um, yeah, Ra- Raiders do not know how to finish a game, and I honestly think they'll be a lot better when they move on from John Gruden. Like him or not, and I know Lawrence will probably counter this point, but they got to move on from John Gruden, man. He's, they got no, so much talent, they can't put it together. I'm... I'm with you there, but I think, to me, watching that game, um, it was the the Raiders' lack of pass rush that I think killed yeah, them. Um, they they that that defensive line and that linebacker crew is not very good. You know, you got like, the likes of Carl Nassib, who's kind of bounced around the league, was drafted by the Browns, and then he's just kind of he hasn't really done much and. Max Crosby, who was supposed to be really good this year, hasn't really did what he did last season. And that I, I, I can't even really name you the, the Raiders linebackers. They're pretty pretty average. So Corey Littleton's a very good linebacker. He's he a tackling machine. Um I wouldn't say he's the best linebacker. He's you know, he's 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 got wheeled, I'll give you that. But this is the that that front seven is not generating anywhere near the amount of pass rush to to get you anywhere into the playoffs. So I think that's yeah. that's been their downfall. Uh, let's let's move it on, fellas, because we could talk Raiders all night. The reality is that loss does officially eliminate the Raiders. Final point on that game for me. I love Brian Flores. If you want to be coach of the year. Grow some balls. Name fits magic. You starter for week seventeen. They can't keep leaving it till the last minute to bring him in to save them. I'm sorry. Simple as that. Anyway, Ravens, Giants, Ravens, absolute cakewalk. Let's face it. It was over at fourteen nil when Hollywood Brown and J.K. Dobbins had already found the end zone in the first quarter. Um, a few field goals exchanged, and then Des Bryant was about as wide open for a touchdown as you will ever see a wide receiver wide open for a touchdown. Throw up the X, indeed. Boys, um, Stern and Shepard got one back in garbage time for the Giants, but the Giants have really fell off a cliff after looking decent um, you know, over a period. Um, they all of a sudden have completely and utterly capitulated. And the Ravens seemingly getting it together. Um, obviously, I think everybody on the AFC side outside of the Ravens would have wanted them to be the ones to miss out. That looks very, very, very unlikely to happen now. There is obviously still a chance of it happening. The Week 17 fixtures that have these playoff implications then are the Browns host the Pittsburgh Steelers. Simple equation for Cleveland, win and they are in. Could be as high as the five seed, could be as low as the seven seed, but simply win and they are in. Uh, Titans have the Texans. Again, Titans win and they are in as division winners. Simple as that when it comes for the Titans. 
Colts have to beat the Jags and get help elsewhere. The Colts could end up as a division champ if the Texans beat the Titans, obviously. Uh, the Colts could win and still end up on the outside looking in as the other game with playoff implications is the Ravens and they have the Bengals. And although the Bengals have put a couple of wins together, I think everybody would fully expect the Baltimore Ravens to take care of business there. So in all likelihood, on paper at least, fellas, let's chalk up wins for the Ravens. Let's chalk up wins for the Colts. I think we would all be in agreement there. Don't see the Jags causing an upset. Don't see the Bengals causing an upset. Obviously, the games have got to be played, and you never know, but I think we would all pretty much be in agreement there. So the two games it's likely to come down to are the Titans against the Texans and the Browns against the Steelers. Now, obviously, on paper, Cleveland has the hardest game. However, as I said earlier, it could well be Mason Rudolph. It could well be Benny Snell for the entire game. It could well be James Washington as the number one receiver and the other guys sat down, you know, and, and obviously all the stars on the defence, Minka, TJ Watt, Joe Hayden, etc., sat down for the week. That obviously could be a huge difference. Obviously, we're recording this on Monday. The Browns aren't likely to get any of their receivers back until Thursday at the earliest, and that's assuming that this COVID outbreak doesn't get any worse. Obviously, you know, Fingers crossed that it obviously doesn't, um, you know. But obviously the Browns are going to have a disrupted week. Titans against the Texans. If the Titans have a weakness, Tim, you've called it out several times during your review. It's that defense. It's that secondary. And Deshaun Watson, despite the Houston Texans record, has been absolutely phenomenal all season long. Um, incredibly impassioned speech from JJ Watt in the post-match press conference this weekend about how important winning is. Um, and I don't think the Texans are going to be rolling over for anybody in Week 17. So they, for me, are the two games that it will probably boil down to. Um, so I think, to be honest, you know, we've got the the uh, the st- the uh, the seedings as it stands. Miami at the five, Baltimore at the six, Cleveland at the seven, Indianapolis at the eight. Let's go around each of you individually Tim, who misses out? Uh, Bloody hell. I mean, I hate to say it, but I think Cleveland miss out. Lawrence? Miami. And Kieran? It's going to be sad, but I just think history is going to repeat itself. And once again, the Browns are going to end up being unlucky and getting screwed out of something they very much deserve. Thanks for that, fellas. You've really cheered me up this one. <laughs> <day, haven't you? laughs> Lawrence tried his best, to be fair. I should have mentioned, actually, the Miami game um, is, of course, Miami against the Bills. Um, so, you know, that, that obviously is the other fixture that has uh, massive implications in Week 17. Um, I suppose from that perspective, it would probably be good for from a Cleveland perspective, if you like, of wanting the Bills to really take this game seriously for the Bills to uh, to win tonight and still have the number two seed to play for. Because I do think that is the only thing that potentially alters teams' approaches in Week 17 in terms of Buffalo and in terms of the Steelers. They're either going to be the two or the three. It just depends which way around they're going to be. I suppose it really does depend on how much they want to avoid the earlier or the potentially earlier trip to KC in the uh, in the playoffs, um, but obviously, as we've said all year long, it's all about getting in, fellas. Once you're in, 
you're going to have to play somebody decent, aren't you, week in and week out? So uh, let's see how it all shakes up. Let's move over then, fellas, to the NFC side of things. And in terms of what we know at the end of this weekend, we have a um, couple of divisional champs crowned. Um, obviously, Green Bay had already locked up the NFC North, but we now have winners of the NFC South in the New Orleans Saints. We have winners in the NFC West in the Seattle Seahawks. Um, so, obviously, the Saints were on Christmas Day, Lawrence, and uh, if anyone was playing a certain running back in fantasy, they certainly had their Christmas present delivered to them. An absolutely phenomenal performance from a guy that you've tipped up previously has potentially been in the MVP conversation. I am, of course, talking Arvin Kamara. You're obviously going to give us plenty of talk on him, but obviously take us through the game in general. Yeah, I mean, just above anything, really, it was just extremely cool to witness NFL history on Christmas Day. So there's there's... My wife and my mother-in-law watching The Crown. They're, they're currently addicted to that at the moment. Um, and then on the TV, so I, I had the game on the wall on the other side of the living room. Um, and it was an absolute pleasure. So it's, you know, a bit of maths there, 41 times six. So, you know, can't go wrong. And and for the Saints, you know, after two false starts, two attempts to win their division, um and the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers kind of surging right behind them breathing down their necks they finally managed to clinch their fourth consecutive NFC South title and and give credit to them they are the the the, the Saints have been this team that should have done better they should have been to at least two to three super bowls with this team um, but something's gone wrong. I mean, it, mainly it has been the Minnesota Vikings. Um, so to actually exact some rather large revenge on the Vikings on Christmas Day in front of a um, you know a big big audience um, was must have been really really satisfying for for everyone on the Saints. So you know that that Saints offense absolutely carved up the Vikings like a nicely butter basted turkey. And the man in charge of the knife, as we know, was Alvin Kamara, who sliced his way into NFL history with a record-tying six rushing touchdowns. And and there were, there, were, there were lots of just little magical elements, one of them being Alvin Kamara's cleats. This, you know, what just that first play when the camera came down and panned on, you know, on his back, and you, you saw him about to take his first snap. And you saw the one red boot and the one green boot, and he's got these these Christmas boots on. You know, you, you can see like football players with their you know ridiculous luminous boots and stuff. And then Alvin Kamara with his Christmas boots on, you're like, you better be good if you're going to be wearing those boots. And God damn it, was he? Um, Twenty one touchdowns he's now scored this season. Um, that's already a Saints team record with one week to go, um, and. If he manages to um, get two touchdowns in week 17, he would actually set another NFL record, which would be the most touchdowns by a player in his first four full NFL seasons. And that record's currently held by former Chargers stud Ladanian Tomlinson with 61. So at the moment, um, Kamara's just two off that record. Um and this is where I've got to give my little bit of retro love, my weekly retro love here. So 
as we know, you might have heard the name, but I'll give you a little bit of context here. So Kamara shares the record with Ernie Nevers um, in terms of this six rushing touchdowns. Now, Ernie Nevers was a Chicago Cardinals running back who back in 1929 managed the six touchdowns. And the the record is that old. There's not actually a recording of his last three touchdowns in terms of how long they were. We know the first three, but we don't know the last three. Um, and this this was a Chicago Cardinals team that won 40 to six against the Chicago Bears. Um, so that Cardinals team actually finished six, six and one. And to make it even more bizarre, in eight of the 13 games that they played, they failed to score above nine points. So to get six touchdowns in one game, but failed to score nine points in eight out of 13, just made that game an even bigger anomaly. Um, what You might know that Ernie Neva's got the six touchdowns, but what you won't know is that he also kicked four extra points in the game. So he remains the guy with the most individual points in a game with 40. Um, one other little note for about Nevers, following his success in 1929, in 1930, he started a ritual where he'd tape all of his arms and tape all of his legs. And it was costing the team that much in tape that he actually had to use his own electrical tape from his garage to tape up his arms and legs um, as he was going up against kind of leather-headed defenders. So this is Kamara's achievement. He is one of only four four players in NFL history to score six touchdowns in a game. The other being Dub Jones in the 1950s and Gail Sayers, who um, passed away recently in the 1960s. Um, what we can't forget here is that Kamara actually had the opportunity to get a Len Goodman, a seven. But then Sean Payton decided to, uh, to give Taysom Hill the opportunity for that touchdown when they're up 38-27 in the early part of the fourth quarter. So let's remember, Kamara could have actually had seven. Um, and I, I, I don't quite know why or what the mentality was, you know, when they're up by 11, seemingly cruising, and they decide to put Taysom Hill in. I personally, I'd have loved to have seen Kamara get seven touchdowns, but maybe that's a bit greedy. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe he's saving them up for the playoffs, mate. Maybe he's saving them up for the playoffs. Lawrence, got to say, big shout out to you, mate. If uh, if anybody gets that kind of knowledge on any other UK-based NFL podcast, I will be gobsmacked. So much love and respect to you, my friend. Let's bring you back right up, though, to the modern day. Obviously, the Saints are now in as division winners. And, Tim, they're joined in the playoffs by the Seattle Seahawks, who at one stage of the season looked like they were going to run away with the NFC West. It then all got a little bit tight. But uh, I think it's safe to say, mate, the cream has risen back to the top. They're actually looking a really complete team all of a sudden. Yeah, it's an interesting one. The NFC West has been quite diff difficult all season. Whoever's kind of got to the top has kind of it's kind of been like a cartoon sketch where there's like a couple of people jostling to go and get a prize or get the treasure, and they just keep tripping up over each other. 
Um, but Seattle, obviously, uh, we've, we've been at the top for, them for the majority of the season. Obviously, they can now uh, claim their first NFC West since oh, was it 2016, I think it is. Um, but yeah, this wasn't it wasn't a pretty game. Uh, field goals galore, to be to be quite honest. And the Rams' struggles on offense is just is just baffling. But it's all it's all because of Jared Goff. He's just such a limiter and restrictor of of, of this offense. Um, I mean, that interception to Jar uh, to Jamal Adams. What the hell? What what, what was that? That was just. Uh, dear God, uh, answers on the postcard uh, for, for that one. But um, yeah, it just seems every time the Rams get themselves uh, got themselves into a position to win this game or to take the lead or get something going, they just just shot themselves in the foot. And um, I, I just think the Rams um, need to need like um, I can't remember who he said need, someone needs to leave a, a team, but Goff just needs to get out of Los Angeles. They just need to they need to wipe get rid get rid of him. And I don't know how they get rid of the contract, but um, yeah. But uh, if, if you can't do it in a McVay offense with these weapons. And that defense. I'm sorry, but you, you just—it's not going to happen. Um, obviously, yeah. As, as Lawrence was pointing out there, with the, he's not hurt his thumb, but Jared Goff obviously bro has broken his thumb. Uh, he's adamant that he'll play for Week 17, but it's, yeah, it's his throwing arm, his throwing hand. So, uh, how much, how effective he'll be, uh, I don't, I don't know. But then he's not really effective anyway. So, you know, the downgrade can't be too much, can it? Um, but yeah, anytime he sees pressure, falls like an absolute pack of cards. Um, but yeah, that, that obviously the poor performance, uh, yeah, away in Seattle. Seattle, like I mentioned, first division win since 2016. Um, it's actually the most points uh, for. Seattle Seahawks have put up in a Russell Wilson and Pete Carrera, and it's actually the second most all time. Uh, if we go back to 2005 in the, the Mike Holmgren, Matt Hasselbeck, and Sean Alexander era, uh, when they put up more, but they should have, I think they only need 20, 25 points or so to, to best that. So potentially the Seattle Seahawks, for obviously the defense has contributed that early in the season, uh, where they had to keep putting up lots of points. Uh, but yeah, potentially a rec team, rec team record amount of points possibly putting up uh, in the 2020 season. But like you said, Sean, uh, could be getting a bit more complete they have actually tightened up quite a lot on defense um jamal adams you know there's quite a lot of people mocking or yeah not mocking but downplaying you know his grade or his abilities how well he is playing but he is continuing to make plays and and tackles and interceptions uh just just when they need them um yeah, but the, the defense as a whole, they do have a few styles in there. Obviously, it's not Legion of Boom style, but then um, you know, no team has scored more tw more than twenty on the Seattle Seahawks since week eleven. Um, but yeah, luckily for the offense, they've not they've not got going for the last couple of weeks. They need to form better. The, la the last two weeks, they faced good defenses and they've not put up a lot of points. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if they can kind of tweak a few things, get DK Metcalf going. Tyler Lockett's you know, disappeared off the face of the earth because uh, they, they've not performed effectively. Chris Carson's come back off from his, in his injury and done okay and run the ball hard. But obviously, he's sharing with with Carlos Hyde and no doubt Rashad Penny might have a a bit of a part to play as, as the weeks go on into into January in the postseason. Um, They'll be battling for the for the two seed. Obviously, still got the, I don't think there's a scenario where they can win the 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 first round by because I think the Saints and the Packers kind of have them covered. Um, but yeah, they'll be battling for the two seed. Obviously, they'll be you know, the, if they get the two seed, they'll be facing pro probably the Bears or Arizona at home, which is obviously the kind of you know, they've taken care of those uh, of Arizona this season. And the Bears, you know, no one's no one should be really too scared of the Bears. But Bears decent decent enough defense. It'd be interesting to see what what Russell can do. But yeah, Russell Wilson, uh, the difference between the two teams in this one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you said, that that uh, Jared Goff interception was just absolutely staggering. You just thought for a, for all the money, he was just going to throw the ball away. You know, no one was open. He was just going to throw it away and then just 
for whatever reason, thought it was a good idea to throw up an absolute lollipop, didn't he, to uh, Jamal Adams? And like you say, if a play summed up an offence, uh, certainly recently, then uh, that was pretty much it. Like you say, they, uh, the, the division has been backwards and forwards basically throughout the entire season. Um, you know, some really, really strange results, just when you think one team is going to take a bit of a stranglehold on it. Um, like you say, they, they throw in a bit of a stinker, don't they? So, so the Seahawks will be glad to get it all confirmed. Um, and like I say, obviously they can uh, focus on playing for playoff positioning next weekend. Uh, a team that has now got control of its own destiny, Tim just mentioned them there, is the Chicago Bears. The resurgent Chicago Bears, it's got to be said, although obviously they did only draw the Jags this weekend. The game was pretty close until half-time, and then Chicago just absolutely ran away with this one, 41 points to 10. Yeah, was it to 10? No, it wasn't to 10, because the Jags got another garbage time score, didn't they, I think, towards the end. So, yeah, but, but certainly a good beatdown, wasn't it? So, yeah, Chicago, uh, and with that win, um, effectively now controlling their own Destiny, um, if they win, they are in. Um, and obviously that will be at the expense of Arizona, um, who lost on Saturday to excuse me, who lost on Saturday to the 49ers. Uh, the 49ers, you just you just really wish that they could have had a few more of their star players throughout the course of this season. I still think that they have got one of the best coaches in the NFL in Kyle Shanahan. And, and whether he goes anywhere or not, Robert Sellers obviously getting a tune out of that defence once again, isn't he? Uh, limiting the Cardinals to just 12 points. They look completely confused in terms of trying to break them down on Saturday night. But obviously with that loss, it effectively means now that the Cardinals are the ones that need a bit of help. Um, they will need to beat the Rams and hope that Chicago loses to Green Bay. And I've got to be honest, I think Arizona, for me, um, they've been one of the bigger disappointments over the course of the season. I know that they've had some impressive performances and Cardinal Murray's flashed some potential at times, but I think we've talked about it with other teams in terms of the talent that's available at their disposal um, and getting the best out of it. I certainly don't think that the Arizona Cardinals have done that. Um, and like you say, you know, as and when, they seemingly have had things within their own control. They've thrown them away. Uh, so, lo and behold, you can pretty much now book the fact that they will win Week 17. The Bears will lose and all will be rosy in the garden, can't you? That's the way 2020 has been. Um, another team confirmed in the playoffs after this weekend's action, Tampa Bay, um, getting a absolute cakewalk victory against the Detroit Lions, another team that were absolutely ravaged by the COVID protocols and ended up playing effectively without most of the coaching staff. Um, I don't think the coaching staff would have made a huge difference to the results. Um, however, obviously, I don't think anybody saw the um, the sort of kind of scoreline that we did see. And we talked about Alvin Kamara and his record-breaking or you know record-equaling day. If Tom Brady had actually come out for the second half, fellas, I think it was pretty... Uh, Pretty straightforward to say he was going to break the NFL passing record, wasn't he? He got 300 and what was it, 70 yards at the half or something along those lines? Let me find um, out. He did under, under 210 yards in the second half to break the um, NFL single game passing record of Norm Van Brocklin's 554 yards. Um, yeah. I've said that without looking it up because I love I love NFL records. Um, <laughs> and, and just one tiny little mention to um, Blaine Gabbert. Yes, he was in a very, very healthy position. It wasn't the game on the line, 
But Blaine Gabbert actually looked like a, a decent starting NFL quarterback, which you, you can't really say that. But he did. He did. He, he didn't, he didn't like, do um, a, a rather stinking object in the bed. He kind of, yes, it was the Lions defence, which had officially given up by the end of the first quarter. But still... He, he still managed to generate some points. So I was just sitting there going, ooh, this is this is gonna be a nightmare. They're just gonna hand the ball off. It's gonna gonna be it's gonna be a complete no, you know, there's gonna be nothing of interest. And then Blaine Gabbert decides to light it up. And I was like, great. And there's Mike Evans still running roots, kind of looking dangerous in the last couple of minutes of the fourth quarter. And I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? But yeah, a little, little bit of love to Blaine Gabbert. You won't hear that again for the rest of the season. So we must <laughs> thirty seconds of fame. No, they should absolutely. I think based on what he produced on the day, you, you're right to to sort of give him some praise. There, obviously, average body of work of his career. I think we all know at this stage what he is. Um, but yeah, certainly, like you say, coming in for, uh, in relief of Brady, and, and I felt that was a bit unfortunate. To be honest, I think again, you know, I was similar to you. I was hoping that he would come back out for the second half, and even if he played to the third quarter and see where you stood at the end of the third quarter, you know, if he'd got to five hundred yards, you know, do you then keep him in? You know, if he'd have only got another twenty or thirty yards passing for whatever reason in that third quarter, then you could have sat him down. But uh, anyway, bigger picture, Tampa. All of a sudden. Things are clicking, certainly on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they will obviously be a team that people will fear in January. Right, fellas, let's come to it. The NFC East. I cannot believe that 2021 is starting off with NBC deciding to flex <laughs> Washington versus Philadelphia into Sunday night football. And we'll we'll get on to that because obviously that decision has come off the back of this weekend's results. Um we obviously, at the start of the of the show, alluded to the fact that obviously the news has broken today that Dwayne Haskins is no longer a member of the Washington football team. Um, obviously, however, though, started in this one after his off-field indiscretions in the week. Um, obviously, was pictured at a strip club, um, obviously without a um, face covering, Therefore, obviously breaking the NFL's um, COVID protocols. It kind of really annoys me even more this weekend with the situation with the Browns receivers, to be honest, that Dwayne Haskins was still allowed to play in this game. I know, Lawrence, you all say that that was more punishment for Washington than him actually being forced to sit out the game. (laughs) Um, But be that as it may, obviously, it was the decision to obviously start him. He obviously had an absolute stinker, however, though, and uh, Washington Kieran obviously lose to Carolina. Um, obviously still control their own destiny, but in terms of yesterday, uh, despite, again, another spirited defensive performance, certainly from Chase Young, again, lighting up the stat sheet, um, another loss, back-to-back losses now for Washington. Yeah, and Tyler Heineken, which is what I'm going to keep calling him. I don't care what his real name is. He gave this Washington team a real spark when he came in, uh, a relief of Haskins. He looked very good. Now, the problem is a kick in the dick looks good compared to watching Dwayne Haskins play football. But Tyler Heineke, Tyler Heineken 
whatever we're going to call him, he gave this team a real spark when he came in. 137 yards and a touchdown. Also, I know you guys love to mention him last week. Antonio Gibson looked very good again. Didn't get the amount of carries that he needed, but on 10 carries, put together 61 yards of offense. That's very, very good from him. Hey, even Tyler Heineken got involved and had a few rushes himself. But J.D. McKissick in the receiving game, my God. He looked fantastic. 77 yards on eight receptions and a touchdown from the aforementioned Heineken. He is smooth, just like draft out of a tap. But yeah, Tyler Heineken completely outplayed Teddy Bridgewater. I'll say that just off the bat. Uh, But this was another scrappy game. And the only, like, Panthers looked terrible. I'm going to be honest, they looked absolute dog turd. But the only reason Washington lost was Dwayne Haskins. If they'd have started Tyler Heineken, he may have had a pick, but he probably would have had three touchdowns. Because the what the drives he was putting together in the limited amount of time he had, he looked really good. And I'm glad Haskins is gone because he is a terrible, terrible growth on that team. And I could choose my words carefully because obviously Riverboat Ron is healed up this year. But for him to be so selfish to do what he did with that strip club around a man who's just beaten cancer is now very susceptible to an illness that could very well kill him given his age and the situation around his immune system right now. I think this is better than winning a Super Bowl for Washington. Haskins is gone. There's no no other excuses you guys have got. Start Tyler Heineken. Obviously, you've got a great prospect with Allen. And, you know, Alex Smith, he's not good, but he's a hell of a story. And he's given that team an infusion of just the semblance of a playmaker. So this game is not much to talk about besides the fact that Dwayne Haskins threw it away for the Washington football team. The Panthers look terrible. Um... Dwayne Haskins, I forgot his name. That's how irrelevant this kid is. He, sort of, yeah, he he threw the game away for them because Teddy Bridgewater looked terrible. The Panthers looked terrible, and the football team didn't look good until Dwayne Haskins was off the field. So if they'd have just started this, this could have been an easy win for them. That would have been great momentum to carry into the playoffs to where they inevitably beat out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because you know mm-hmm. everyone knows they're overrated, and when Say what you want about Brady having a monster game. Blaine Gabbert looked great in that game, so it's irrelevant. They could have gone all the way to the Super Bowl behind this Tyler Heineken kid with some momentum. <laughs> but they oh, decided dear. to start Dwayne Haskins. They were going to drop what you're smoking. Kieran, whatever you're smoking, I need to have some of it, please. Yeah, big bag of it. You know, it's just a bad game to watch, though. I think you'd agree with that. Even being a football team fan, it was a very, very bad game to watch. If it, just to let kind of listeners in on this, I I said in the group chat, in the full ten group chat before the game, this was about four forty-five UK time last night. I said Dwayne Haskins is going to get absolutely nothing on his first four drives, and that Washington will end up right at the end of the first half and the first points they'll get will be a field goal. I was exactly right. I felt like Nostradamus. Um, and was it not for that defence? You know, the fact that they've they've held the Panthers and the Seahawks now to, you know, pretty average to poor offensive performances, 
And as you say, if Dwayne Haskins hadn't have suited up, if they would have just gone for 16 consecutive fake punts, they would have got more yards. Um, just to end on, on the bit of Heineken love, in seven minutes, he generated more offense than Dwayne Haskins did in the other 52 minutes that he was on the field. So just I'll, I'll end it with that. Seven minutes, he generated more offense. Yeah, and the only thing that's surprising for me in terms of the Dwayne Haskins situation is I don't really see what's changed from Saturday to today. Dwayne Haskins was a poor quarterback before he suited up Sunday and he played a poor game. I just don't really understand the decision to start the guy. If you were going to get rid of him because of his off-the-field indiscretions, then why on earth give him the opportunity to start that important football game for you on Sunday? I mean, I just... That, that's the only thing that is a little bit baffling in terms of the decision. Look, none of us on here have ever said that Dwayne Haskins is a good quarterback. None of us on here have ever said that we think Dwayne Haskins is going to turn into something um, other than what he is, which is a poor you know, quarterback. However, like I say, I just do not understand why they made that decision to start him. Um, and in doing so, you know, he didn't do anything wrong in the football game other than be what he is, which isn't very good. Um, but surely they knew that. We've talked about that often enough over the last month, haven't we? So, anyway, strange, strange old times in Washington. Potentially, though, a team that could be on the rails. Tim, get excited. They're still in contention, unbelievably. You could win the division at 6-10. and 10. Jesus Christ, I can't even believe I'm saying it. They could sneak in um, because Kieran, Jalen Hurts started off well. Looked good, but let's face it, all of a sudden, a, a switch was flicked and all of a sudden the Dallas Cowboys absolutely ran away with this one. Yeah, he had no picks going in today as well, Jalen Hurts. So I just want to say respect to that. And apparently Cowboys had a defence. Who knew? They've been hiding it for the past 16 weeks or so. That's, it. That, that's the Dallas Cowboys defence has the most takeaways in the last three games, Dallas Cowboys defence. Yes, it is, yes. Yeah, last three games. We're, we're at week 16, mate. That would have yeah. been impressive if we were in week four. Um, well, yeah. I'd rather it, I'd rather it now <laughs> than the first three weeks. <laughs> so, yeah, Jalen Hurts, 69 rushing yards. We always have to mention that number. It is a very sexy number. Uh, but Jalen Hurts did look good despite the two picks. He still had 342 yards and a touchdown. Let's not forget, this guy looks better than Kyler Murray at being one of these fast... Um, I don't want to say sneaky athletic, but he was he used he relied on his arm more in college. So I just want to say he's been absolutely fantastic on the ground. Deshaun Jackson finally, you know, putting together a decent performance. Now he's got a quarterback who isn't made out of, you know, peanut butter, brittle, throwing passes to him. It's really interesting what you can do when you have some talent at the signal caller position. But the big part of this game was everyone's favourite, end zone Ed Sheeran, red rifle pew pew! Andy Dalton man, 377 yards three tubs and a pick he looked absolutely ridiculous Ezekiel Elliott finally 100 yard game for the first time in feels like forever he's still wearing arm sleeves, which I think if you were a running back you should not be wearing an arm sleeve it lets the ball get punched out so much easier sorry just go with turf tape if you've got that weird nylon sleeve so much easier to punch the ball out especially if it gets wet at all cd lamb actually 
kind of muted in the receiving game. But Gallup and Cooper both are for 121 yards apiece. And Michael Gallup had two touchdowns. My God, this receiving core in Dallas is phenomenal. When C.D. Lamb is the third best receiver on your team, my God, the amount of talent this Dallas team has. And I think if Dak Prescott was in, you guys would be in a lot better shape than you are now. So I do feel sorry for you. But moving on to six and nine, beating the cream cheese Eagles. I mean, Jalen Hurts has given this Eagles team a spark. The biggest problem is Carson Wentz's contract. So I feel like they're going to feel obligated to maybe start him next year. And the team is just going to keep regressing until they get rid of that absolute dead weight they've got. But, you know, Cowboys thoroughly deserve this win. They played fantastic. Their defense showed up and looked fantastic. I think Tim is happier with anyone with how this defense looked this game because they looked no offense to how you've played the rest of the season, but they looked competent. You've got a, a couple sacks as well. And um, I just want to call out the uh, obvious play was Trayvon Diggs with the pick. That was fantastic. What, what a pick from him as well, the first one. Yeah, it, this was a game that I didn't expect to enjoy because I thought uh, it's just the Cowboys and the Eagles, two guys scrapping out for potentially a six-win season and a playoff run off of that, maybe, possibly. Um, but yeah, I think Cowboys have finally started putting it together at the end of the season. I think if they do end up forcing their way into the playoffs, they could potentially have some success, depending on the team they come up against. If they, you know, square up against the Seahawks or something, I like their chances, because the Seahawks has no defence to speak of. And <laughs> Dallas's defence turned up. So I think, yeah, that would be interesting. I'd like to see Dallas make the playoffs, because they've got, all the pieces there right now. Yeah, well, certainly one game at a time. Like you say, whoever wins the NFC East is going to get the Bucks first up. Um, I think the Bucks are pretty much locked in now to the five seed. So, um, obviously, if they're going to get to the Seahawks, they're going to have to get through Tampa, which is going to be difficult enough. But uh, the scenarios for the NFC East in the final weekend of the season are quite simple in some ways, in as much as, obviously, if Washington win their game against Philly, Washington take the division. If, however, Washington lose that game, it will be the winner of the Dallas-New York Giants game, which is earlier on in the day, that will take the NFC East. And like I say, if that is the case, the NFC East winner will have a 6-10 and 10 record. Absolutely unbelievable stuff, isn't it? Absolutely unbelievable. Um in terms of the wild card race, again, relatively straightforward. Certainly much more straightforward in the NFC compared to the AFC side. Quite simple scenarios, really. Arizona needs to beat the Rams. Uh, the Rams need to beat Arizona or have Chicago lose to Green Bay. Um, so, yeah, Arizona, the one that need, um, obviously, a bit more um, help in terms of having to obviously get the win themselves. Um, however, like I say, you could end up still with the Rams missing out. So if Arizona beat the Rams and Chicago beat Green Bay, the Rams miss out. If Arizona win and uh, Chicago lose, then the Rams and the Cardinals get in. So it's going to be two out of the three, either LA, Arizona or Chicago. Uh, a few different scenarios in terms of how that could play out. But like I say, relatively simple and straightforward, really, when compared to the other side of things. Obviously, the Week 17 fixtures... Uh, of importance then Arizona versus LA Rams Chicago versus Green Bay Dallas versus the Giants 
And to round it all off, the final regular season game will be the Washington football team against the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Kind of joked about the fact that it was flexed to Sunday night, but it kind of makes sense, I guess, in as much as obviously Washington will go into that game needing to win. Obviously, there will be a different division leader by the time Washington do indeed kick off. Um, So I suppose it kind of makes sense. It's the only one that NBC could absolutely guarantee that uh, the team playing in it would uh, have control of their own destiny uh, at kickoff time. Right, fellas, let's run through some stats for the week. Um, Plenty of history being made or or nearly being made. Um, I'm not sure whether you're going to shout him out, Lawrence, but Mr Frank Gore, um, joining a pretty exclusive club this week. If you're not going to mention him, we'll mention him after, but I won't steal your potential thunders. Let's start off with yourself, mate, for your first stat of the week. I haven't gone Gore, so let's 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 give him some let's give him some love um, at the end of this. Um, I've I've kept it in the in the spirit of Christmas. So we've at, we've gone absolutely full circle here with the the Vikings playing on Christmas Day. Only 20 teams have actually ever played on Christmas Day, and this kind of tradition—it's not—it's not, nothing like Thanksgiving. It only goes back to 1989, and that first Christmas Day game was between the Bengals and the Vikings, and the the winning touchdown was a one-yard pass from Wade Wilson to tight end Brent Novoselsky, the the kind of unknown tight end and that that touchdown actually gave Minnesota a division title so it was very significant another kind of Christmas Day significant touchdown and a, and a win there um, and I'll just kind of round it off with the kind of coming back to the the game that we did witness so this I think this game is going to be remembered for an absolutely long time for a whole load of reasons 85 points is easily the most regular season points scored on the 25th of December and only the 2004 Raiders managed 30 or more in a loss and that was back um, in 2004 and only the Chargers had posted more than 40 on Christmas Day and that was in 2009. So yeah, big historic day, monster offensive output from both teams. I don't think that's going to get beaten for the next 50 years, Um, you know. 85 points bonkers for Christmas Day. So we all had a treat. We did indeed, mate. We did indeed. Kieran, let's come to you, buddy. Do you want to know how good Matt Stafford is? He has started 166 games in his NFL career. And I know this got you guys heated in the group chat. Of those 166 games, he has been accompanied by a 100-yard rusher 11 times. Let me just say that. Can I swear? No. 11 flipping times. (laughs) That's ridiculous. If you want to know how good Matt Stafford is and how ruined he has been by the incompetence that is the Detroit Lions, there is the stat for you. 11 times. Yeah, he he certainly could do with uh, either, either some more help or any more a new set of surroundings, shall we say. Tim, let's come to you, buddy. Uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with Florence with the uh, Christmas theme. I, I was one, I was worried at one second he was going to steal mine, but uh, obviously the Christmas Day uh, game between the Vikings and the Saints was obviously on a Friday. It was the first Friday game of 2020. So the 2020 season is the only season in NFL history 
to have at least one game occur on every single day of the week. COVID-19, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. There you go. Bless you, Indy Scottish 2020. All this morning we've done about it. We've had football every single day of the week. Cannot be bad at all, can it? Cannot be bad. I usually come back for a second round, fellas. Anyone got a belt? Because I've actually got a couple prepared myself. I've seen some shaking heads, so I'm going to I'm going to throw you in a couple because I I was a little bit confused with Tim earlier that I might be not in the house. <laughs> But uh, so I've prepared a couple. So here's a couple for you. Me and Tim have talked about this lovely little uh, Twitter follow that we've had in the past. The punt surrender index. Tennessee Titans take a bow. The Tennessee Titans decided to punt to Green Bay from the Green Bay 32 on fourth and seven with five minutes and 55 seconds remaining in the first quarter while trailing zero to six. With a surrender index of 110.49, this punt ranks at the 100th percentile of cowardly punts in 2020. And here we go, ladies and gents, the 99.9 percentile of all punts since the surrender index was created. If anyone could find me a more cowardly punt than that one, bring it on. And I'll just close it out, fellas, with one final one. We've talked about some offensive players and MVP candidates as much as we talk about it, let's face it, it's going to come down to two, isn't it? It's going to come down to Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes in all likelihood. Aaron Rodgers this week had his 13th game with a 100-plus passer rating on the season. That ties himself in 2011 and Patrick Mahomes in 2018 for the most such games in a single season in NFL history. Both Rodgers in 2011 and Mahomes in 2018 went on to win the MVP Award. So that is your final two fellas, as far as I'm concerned, for the MVP. There may be uh, others worthy of mention, and I think we've mentioned a few of them, but let's face it, it's going to be one of the quarterbacks in all Kieran's Kieran's trigger word, Josh Allen. Yeah. <laughs> let's see if he puts up 60 on the Patriots tonight, and then we'll throw him into the conversation. Uh, talking of tonight, talking of tonight, it's a nice link. Who wins tonight then, boys? Anybody uh, going for the Patriots? No. I'm a Patriots fan. No. Yeah, silence is gold. I think we're all expecting the Bills to uh, rock up and have their way against New England Army tonight. Obviously, the final Monday night football of the regular season. Got to say, don't know why. Probably just a coincidence. But it seems as though we've had some really corking games on Monday night football this year. Hasn't always been the case over the last few seasons. We tended to have got a bit of a stinker, but... uh, yeah, fair play to ESPN and the crew. Got some decent games on this year. And obviously, uh, I know Lawrence has a, a particular love for Maurice Jones-Drew in his uh, big armchair for the Channel 5 coverage on a, uh, on a Monday evening. Um, we normally do winners and losers, fellas, but I think we're an hour and 15 minutes in. I think we've talked enough throughout the course of the night, haven't we, in terms of the big winners and losers of the week. Um, obviously, if you've... Uh, Punched your ticket to the playoffs, you're a big winner. If you still need a bit of help or another victory in Week 17, you're probably one of this week's losers. Um, But obviously, it will all come down to um, Week 17 for a number of teams. One thing we should say, congratulations, of course, to the Jacksonville Jaguars securing the number one overall pick in the draft. Uh, Welcome to London, Trevor Lawrence. I think it's fairly safe to say, isn't it, ladies and gents? Uh, So, yeah, probably some good news for us uh, UK fans. We're going to get one of the uh, supposedly hottest college prospects 
for some time, probably on these shores, multiple times a year, maybe even permanently at some point down the line, but that's a whole other debate for a whole other day. In terms of full 10-yard stuff coming your way this week, despite the fact that we're still in holiday mode and we're still obviously uh, a little bit here, there and everywhere, I even forgot it was Monday at one point tonight, fellas. It's a good job we've got this podcast to remind me of what day of the week it actually is at the minute. Uh, Your regular content will wing its way towards you in terms of your takeaways. They will be out tomorrow in written format, getting the views of some of the talented writers behind the scenes at Team Full 10 Yards along with some of the views of us just obviously written down. We'll then get you set for a busy week 17. Game previews coming out. Um, Not sure which way Sky Sports are going to go, but we may well do a bit more of an extended preview of all of the uh, games with playoff implications this week, Um, as obviously there'll be a number of different routes for people to get tuned in uh, to watch their respective teams and obviously hopefully uh, if it's your team that are involved uh, fingers crossed it all goes well for you unless of course you're a Ravens fan and hopefully they cock it up completely um quiz final one of the regular season um in terms of the usual way we do it at least in terms of people coming in to have a go against team full 10 yards we have three people that beat tim during the course of the regular season coming back for a battle of champions to crown a season winner um again still not sure yet whether they're going to be taking on tim or taking on myself we're not 100 percent sure but uh, one of us will be in the hot seat and that will come to you tomorrow at nine o'clock um, and then, like I say, obviously game previews, all the other good stuff um, heading your way as well. Um, sure, the college boys are still on a regular schedule. Kieran can give me a nod, I think. College boys still on the usual schedule? Yes, they are indeed. So all your regular are college boys. Recording tomorrow, but still uploading Wednesday. And also, for any other college football fans, I have an interview coming up soon with Florida State commit wide receiver Seydou Traore out of the NFL Academy in the UK, currently playing in Florida. So that'll be very interesting for any guys who uh, want to keep up with British players who will very soon be making their way to the NFL, I should imagine. Yeah, excellent stuff, mate. Excellent stuff indeed. Always a good listen to the boys in the college pod. And obviously some big college games coming up, of course, as uh, they get set for Bowl season, championships, all that kind of good stuff obviously always happens just at the turn of the year, doesn't it? So plenty of good content winging its way towards you. I think that's it, fellas. We've gone through an absolute monster of a schedule there. From next week, we are going to go to two podcasts per week. Uh, We'll be back next Monday with your regular Week 17 review, but obviously we want to get um, some content out ahead of the wildcard weekend and all the other subsequent playoff weekends coming down the track. So we will go to two podcasts a week. So this is the last one in terms of the week-to-week schedule. It's been a blast, guys. Enjoyed it immensely, as we always, always do. Uh, Obviously, to all of our listeners, all of our viewers, all of our followers, etc., etc., goes without saying, but happy new year, one and all. Hope you stay safe. I think we're all in complete agreement. 2021 cannot be any worse than 2020. Hope you stay safe and well. Enjoy yourselves as much as you can over the remaining days of the holiday period. But until next week, that's it from us. We'll be back at the same time next week to review week 17. Until then, in the words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.